0: Uh, I want to say, thank you Jim, you're awesome, that uh, y'all surprised me. (laughs) Honest to goodness, it's it's not that I had low expectations, but uh, every study that I've read, everything about all the other churches, many of the pastors had super high expectations, and then half of the people that they expected to show up actually showed up, and they were very disappointed. In the fact that it was much lower than their expectations were. And so, honest to goodness, and maybe I need to repent, I set my expectations low. Uh, Although I opened up room for 75 people in this room, but whatever, you bunch of rebels. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I told my team, honest, I'd be surprised if 50 people show up because they just didn't know how many were. Concerned about coming out, concerned about social distancing, and so uh, I'm glad that I kind of set myself up to be blessed and surprised, amen? Look at you all, man, you, this is, this is, wow, amen, (laughs) praise God, amen, Uh, either you just missed my ugly mug or you just missed everybody else, I'm not sure which one it is, but I'm so glad uh, that you're here. We are so glad that all of you who are tuning in to the YouTube feed, Facebook, whatever else that you're picking this up from, we're so glad that you joined in as well, and I pray that you are blessed uh, by today. I know that uh, I already have been, and uh, I expect to to be blessed even more. Uh, It is time for me to deliver the Word of God. I'm glad you're more excited about that than I am. And you might you might think well wh- what? Well, it's because I got an unusual word for you today. Oh, uh, did I hear a few of you go, uh-oh? <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the title of my message today is what Jesus wants us to know about end times. Amen. People are interested in end times. It's been that way for years and I imagine it's probably going to be the same for years to come especially as things change and we see more and more things happening on the landscape of our culture and everything else hundreds of books have been written on the subject in fact some of the best-selling books of all time have been about end times from back in the 70s with how lindsay's late great planet earth to the whole left behind series that took place in the late 1990s to the first, you know 2000 something like that, but did you know that that left behind series sold over 63 million copies? Uh, I'd say that there are some people that are interested in end times and in the in at the end of the world, what's going to happen? And you may be wondering, as was I. Why am I choosing to talk about end times at our re-entering service? Because after all, maybe I ought to preach about returning to church or about the importance of church attendance, which apparently you all don't need a message about (laughs) church attendance because you filled the house for crying out loud. Oh, praise God. I suppose I could preach about connecting to each other, connecting together, or maybe preach a message of celebration, we're back, and how great that'd be. And you may even think that a message on end times might be inappropriate for, to, an inappropriate message in the presence of children. But I gave that some thought, actually, and I, I came to the conclusion that I have to disagree with that conclusion on several fronts. When I grew up, we didn't have children's church. In fact, I went to a church where we went to Sunday school before church actually started, and we were always in the service during the preaching, and I don't ever remember preachers tempering what they were gonna say because there were little ears in the room. Uh, In fact, I learned multiple aspects of Scripture sitting in the preaching in the main service with the adults. And on another note, quite frankly, more children are, uh, they're smarter than we think they are, and they're more receptive to the things of God than many adults are. And, and, quite, and you know what? Again, if, if preaching straight, forward, truth, no matter what the topic causes a young child to go home and ask mommy and daddy some biblical questions, I say, that's a win-win-win. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. Maybe you might think that uh, a message about surviving COVID-19 would be a timely uh, and purposeful message and appropriate, but the fact is that this season that we are in has sparked this message of end times basically by what's occurred in the last five months. The rapid advancement of fear, the rapid advancement of caution about being close to one another and to another human being, quite frankly, is startling, and it stands in complete opposition to how God created us to be people that were connected together. And anything that stands in direct opposition to God's plan is then the devil's plan. The enemy has been a counterfeit to God since the very beginning. So everything that he does that is counterfeit to God or opposite of God, you can automatically know what the source is and where it's from. The truth or lack thereof as it relates to coronavirus has created an aura of deception, and it fuels conspiracy theories to no end. And all deception and conspiracy theories do is create chaos, and create confusion, and the Scripture tells us that where there is confusion and chaos, every form of evil resides. The shutdown of houses of worship and the attack on personal freedoms, it quite frankly is only the beginning of the government's intrusion on our freedoms, on our liberties. And you all know that I don't preach from a political viewpoint but I also have my eye on the horizon and have my eye on what these days mean to us as a church. And yeah, for sure, I could have preached on a whole lot of other subjects this morning, but God has been dealing with my heart for weeks about this, probably since it first started. Uh, You've heard me say a number of times in my messages that I've never had a moment of fear about this. I've never had a moment of trepidation or of caution. It's just been, you know, wanting to comply the best I could with our civic authorities. Uh, obviously, all the rest of these people don't want to, but whatever, that's yeah, you know. So it's, it's all good. We'll we'll work through that. Uh, and, and just doing what I could to to navigate the same season that y'all are navigating. But I've sat in my living room many times and watched the news, and every time that I watch the news or see any of the occurrences that are going on, I recognize that it's nothing more than the setting of the stage for the man of lawlessness to rise up, known as the Antichrist, who's going to come with all the answers to uh, mass riots, going to come with all the answers to civic unrest, who's going to come with all the answers to diseases, who's going to come, this is from the Bible, it's probably the part you haven't read, but anyway, is going to come, from, is going to come with the answer to pe- for peace. And people are going to run after it like there's no tomorrow. And so from the very beginning, the Lord has been dealing with my heart on this issue, and I haven't stayed away from it, but He has been prompting me, even pr- provoking me toward this end, and that end is preparing His people for the days, of he- days ahead. And that's what I'm doing right now, is I want to begin to talk to you all about the days of head and, ahead and to begin to prepare you for the things that are coming As a pastor, I have a responsibility for the souls of people, uh, the people that he has asked me to shepherd. It is a great responsibility. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So I could stand up here and preach uh, feel-good messages, messages that just help you navigate the day I mean and, and there's nothing wrong with those messages or I could preach what is in fact being impressed upon my heart whether it's the first day back to church or not because I said Lord today he said well you better start now um so I have to do everything that I can to prepare you for the days ahead the things that I'm going to say should cause no fear to the believer Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) It might cause some fear and trepidation for the part-time Christian. Thank you for your lack of enthusiasm. (laughs) And if you think that what we've faced in the last five months is rough, let me just say to you from an old song by Bachman Turner Overdrive, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. That was for Mike, just saying. <laughs> Sitting back there in his easy chair, look at him. If God's people are not prepared for the days ahead, they will wilt and they will give in to the deception that is coming. If preachers aren't willing, if I'm not willing to stand up here and proclaim the truth, people will blindly follow almost any deception. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the very elect of God. And I had to ask a question there, and I, I, you know, the question became, who are, number one, who are the elect of God? They're the fired up, born again, Holy Spirit filled saints of God. I'm not talking about that I'm riding the fence, Christian, or I'm in the world one day and in the church the next day, Christian. I'm talking about the person who's a fired up disciple and believer of Jesus Christ. And I had to go, well, how in the world could one of those people be fooled by this deception? And it's, it's because Satan's deception is so closely, it's going to so closely resemble all the things that Christ did so much so that people are going to imagine that he is the Christ. He's going to look like the Christ. He's going to have people fooled into thinking that the Jesus wasn't really the Christ, which he's been trying to do all along anyway. His his tactic has been deception since the Garden of Eden with Eve, okay? And his tactic will be deception in the very end. And what's going to happen to the very elect? I mean, I can imagine and see the I'm a Christian today and I'm not tomorrow person being fooled, but I have a hard time wrapping my head around the very elect potentially being deceived by that. I do know for a fact that the unlearned are going to be fooled, and there's a lot of believers that are unlearned scripturally. Uh, The uncommitted will be swayed. And there are a lot of Christians that are uncommitted Christians. Christians who play both ends against the middle. Some of you all know those kind of Christians. Riding the fence between the world and church are going to choose the easy way out by believing that what they are seeing is in fact Christ and everything they've ever been taught must have been a falsehood. Would you turn your Bibles with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? We're going to read a number of scriptures today, and I have a few commentaries that I want to make along the way. The Lord gave me this message this week. As I said, it's been brooding in my spirit for a number of weeks, and I have not avoided it, but I have waited on it. And uh, I'm as surprised as you are that the Holy Spirit decided that our first day back to church would be the day that I start talking about it. I'd have preferred a different message today. Thank you very much. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading with verse 7 through 11. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Think about what you've seen on the news. And not just in America. All over the planet. Mass riots, civic unrest. They aren't protest. By and large, they aren't protest. Some of them are. Most of them are to incite chaos and riot and mayhem and trouble. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawlessness one, the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Look here with all powers, signs, and lying wonders. What's supposed to follow those that believe? Signs, power, signs and wonders, and yet here's how he's going to begin to deceive. And look at here, verse 10, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, there's an underlying message to what Jesus would want us to know about end times that's just not a step-by-step, precept-by-precept, truth-upon-truth study Of the return of the Lord the rapture of the church and everything else there's an underlying message in all of this that's more important quite frankly than any of all any of that because on one hand you'll have those who choose to live by the righteousness of Christ and on another hand you'll have those who choose to live an unrighteous life that's what tips the scales in this whole thing so it's my intent to preach and teach on end times, and there's no way that I can do justice to this subject. There's no way that I can exhaust it. What I am praying is that what I do say is so coded by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that it absolutely penetrates your heart, that the Word of God penetrates your heart, and that it births in you a, a, a just a fire to study more about what is coming And begin to dig into the meat and potatoes of the Word of God instead of the pablum and the bottle. I'm praying that it will prompt you, prod you, and provoke you and encourage you to finally make a decision for Jesus Christ. And you might be saying, Well, Pastor, we have, and I I get that and I understand that, but not all. Let's not be fooled not all, because many are going to be fooled when they stand before the Lord and they say, but Lord, Lord, we cast out demons. We preached. We got people saved. We did signs and wonders and miracles. And he says, yeah, but you and I were never intimate. Basically, you chose unrighteousness over righteousness. So I'm believing that it will inspire you. And I also believe that it's time to come out of the valley of decision. Those of you who have been waffling between two decisions, riding the fence, not sure if you want to fully involve yourselves with the things of Christ or whether or not, the time has come. Listen to me. The time is now. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Many greats in the Bible spoke about and wrote about the end times. You have Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Isaiah, and Joel, and Zechariah, and Malachi, and Amos, the apostle John who wrote Revelation, the apostle Paul who wrote letters to the Corinthian church and the Thessalonian church about it, you got Luke, you got Matthew, just to name a few that gave us some pretty clear instructions about what's going to happen in the end times. The Bible from its beginning to its end is replete with conversation about the return of the Lord, about the end times. That's right, from the very beginning to the very ending. There is, however, only one purveyor of end times doctrine that stands above them all, There's one preacher of righteousness that has more knowledge, more revelation, more insight on the events surrounding the end times than any of the rest of the great icons of Scripture that I just mentioned. And in fact, everyone else's end times doctrine must match this great prophet's viewpoint. And the person that I'm speaking of is our Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. Let me help you with something this morning. The words of Jesus don't need to line up with Ezekiel or Isaiah. No, 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 no. Their words must line up with what Jesus had to say about it. The end times teaching of Jesus doesn't have to line up with Daniel or or, or Joel or Amos' ideas on the subject. No, 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 no. Their words must line up with Jesus' words and thoughts on the subject. Jesus doesn't have to line up with John the Revelator or the Apostle Paul, who most people get their end times doctrine from. Jesus' words don't have to match up to theirs. No, 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 no. Their words must align themselves with the words, thoughts, and teachings of Jesus Christ. You must get this into your heart and your head from the very onset of this, or you will not have a comprehensive understanding of the end times. If you just pick and choose what Joel said, or Daniel, or Paul, or John the Revelator, then you you may miss it, because what you need to have an understanding of is what Jesus had to say about it. And if you'll open your heart and open your mind to the words, thoughts, and teachings of Jesus Christ about end times, did you hear what I said? If you'll open your heart, open your mind, open your eyes... To the words of Jesus Christ and what he had to say about end times, you will find that all of their teachings match his. Jesus' teachings on end times aren't another teaching. Because I trust the words of Jesus so unequivocally, in my opinion, Jesus' teachings on end times are the teachings on end times. And I doubt very seriously that the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is going to inspire the Bible for other authors about end times to say a different message than the Lord and Savior Himself. In fact, the Bible is so amazing and wonderful and beyond creative ability when you think about the the correlation between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And you begin to recognize that over centuries of authors and writings, it all still points to Jesus. But you're going to have to open your mind to that. And what a sad thing for me as a pastor to say, you're going to have to open your mind up to the words of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Why Matthew chapter 24? Because Matthew chapter 24 is the golden teaching of Jesus about end times. And yes, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'll try not to commentary too much in between because what could I possibly add to the words of Jesus? How many of you all believe in Jesus? Amen. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. Yeah. How many of you serve him as your Lord of lords and King of kings? Raise your hand. How many trust that what he has to say is to our benefit? Amen. Huh? Don't you think we ought to put our faith in what Jesus had to say over what anyone else has to say? Uh Uh-huh. So I'm going to start reading with verse 3 in Matthew chapter 24. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will, oh, this is some good news right here. You're going to love this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Yikes. That's right, brother. Yikes. Don't worry, I heard the same message when I was about your age, and I've been saying yikes ever since. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Some of you all are hearing this, and you can absolutely connect it to the day and age that we're living in right now, without question. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Whoa, 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 whoa. The person who endures to the end, that's the part that's going to mess up your holy cow. The person who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see, what? Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then... All words mean things, y'all. How long do you have to endure? I'm sorry, you didn't I didn't hear that. How long do you have to endure? Who gets saved? Those who endure to the end. That's the words of Jesus, y'all. I'm not making it up or putting a flashy doctrine on it. We don't like that idea. What? See the abomination? Wait, no. That can't be true. Not going to see it. I'm going to be gone, right? Good. I have your attention because you're sitting there right now going, well, I don't know, am I? Mm. For then. There will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But some are going to be saved, aren't they? Who are they? The ones that endure to the end. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. Now I have to make a commentary right here because there's been many Christians that have been chasing after signs and wonders going from this conference to that conference where there are signs and wonders taking place in hopes of getting a little bit of the flavor of that anointing and bringing it back to their house of God so there can be signs and wonders in that house as well. And they forgot about chasing after Jesus and they've been chasing after signs and wonders. So how can the elect possibly be fooled? Because many of them are chasing after signs and wonders. Mm-mm-mm. Isn't this good, y'all? You're like, no, nah, I'm thinking I would have rather had the message about re entering in celebration. Thank you very much. <laughs> if possible, to deceive even the very elect. See, I have told you beforehand. In other words, I, Jesus, author of the end times, am warning you heads up, eyes open, it's going to happen. That's right, amen. (laughs) Verse 26, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. I venture to say we have children in this room today who have never heard heard this before, and that is potentially sad. I venture to say there may be even some others who've never heard this before, and that's potentially even more sad. Verse 28, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Right on, sweetheart. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. As if there wasn't already some uh Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Man, all the special effects with all the computer generation of movies today will not be able to depict what that day is going to look like. Then, everybody say then. When? After the tribulation. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Commentary. Don't you think that ought to be a moment for everyone to celebrate? Isn't it interesting that it says everyone will see him coming on the clouds, but the entire earth will mourn in that moment? Because there's going to be far too many that have chosen unrighteousness over righteousness, and at that moment... They're going to realize what the actual truth is and they're going to realize that they have spat in the face of the actual truth. I pray to God it is none of us, but if I am to be a good pastor to you, I must teach you the whole word and not just the good stuff. Why would you choose today, Lord? It would have been so much more fun to celebrate. Wow. You know, he just answered me. He said, because I'm going to start dealing with people right now. I didn't expect an answer. I was just mouthing off sort of like Job for a minute, you know. Okay. Then. Verse 30, the sign of the Son of Man, which is Jesus, will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth. Who are all the tribes of the earth? All 'all. All y'all. Everyone. Some people have taken Matthew 24 and they try to place Matthew 24 only to be Jesus speaking about how he's dealing with the Jewish nation. And if that were true it would not have said all the tribes of the earth. I know I'm messing with some more of your holy doctrines. Mm. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches, when its (coughs) branch, excuse me, when its branch, (laughs) when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So, you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near and at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Verse 36, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day they entered the ark. This is important. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. When? Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left, two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. I proclaim today that there are people, Christians, who are not watching. They're carrying on in their lives as though there will be no coming of the Lord. It's going to be way beyond their lifetime, but no man knows when, and because of that we ought to be living today, right now, watching and praying and waiting and living a godly, holy, righteous life unto the Lord to the very best of our ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish I could get a witness from somebody. I got excited and lost my place. Verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods, But if that evil servant says in my heart, in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Wasn't that a feel-good chapter? <laughs> but that's Jesus' teaching on the end times. And every other author and purveyor of end times prophecy must point to Jesus or its heresy. It will not be different than what Jesus has to say. And if you look close enough at the writings of Paul and Thessalonians or the writings of Luke or any of the others, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Malachi, you look at any of them and you will find that their words match almost to a letter and to a word and to a T, the words of Jesus. I better bring it to a close, I just better. No matter what your view of end times may be, no matter what your position as it relates to the rapture of the church, these following things stand true. And this would be the focus of my end times teaching is these things. We must be watching and waiting and ready for the return of the Lord. Everyone, That's one of the only amens I've gotten today because that means you all agree with that. We must make a choice to live our lives in agreement and submission to the Holy Word of God. The days of picking and choosing what you want to believe, they're over, folks. You might think, well, welcome back to church. (laughs) Yeah, welcome back to church. wonder if there will be a hundred of you next week. I'm so glad you got audio on because I have been told if you want to see the church filled up and people standing in line to get in, teach on end times. (laughs) Maybe I should have gone about it differently, I don't know. You know, I am who God created me to be and I've been doing this long enough I can craft any kind of message. I can consider a topic, a subject, a cultural time, and write a message around it. And the Lord will anoint his word. He may not anoint me, but he will anoint his word. But I have to stand before the Lord. And I don't want it to be said. I don't want him to, you know, I'll I'll be judged by my works just like you'll be judged by your works as well, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And I don't want him to be able to look in his book of works and say, boy, there were a few times you chose to preach differently than I wanted you to preach. And people went to hell because of it. Any takers on preaching next week? Can I get any takers on preaching next week? My brother in the back says, give it to me, brother, give it to me. We have to choose holiness over worldliness. I'm going to start, I, got, I did a little commentary, so we left that little path. I said, no matter what your position on end times, no, what, no matter what your position on the coming of the Lord, no matter what your doctrinal position on the rapture, these things stand true. We must be watching, waiting, and ready for the return of the Lord. We must make a choice to live our lives in agreement and submission to the holy word of God, and we have to choose holiness over worldliness. Okay, I just got. To, I feel inclined to mess with somebody else's holy cow. Back in the days of the Roman Empire, they would go to the Colosseum. They'd watch gladiators kill each other and maim each other and cut each other into pieces. And they would cheer and roar, and the whole community would gather around it. Today, we just turn it on our TV and watch people kill each other and maim each other with blood, guts, and gore, and we can't wait for the next episode. All right, so whatever. Um, We have to decide that we will live our lives as severe disciples of Jesus Christ no matter what, and that we not be casual, fair-weather Christians. So no matter what your beliefs are about the Lord's return in the end times, We must choose whom we will serve, and I can preach that message without any inclination toward the end times. We have to choose whom we will serve because it will only be one of three things, God, Satan, or self. You will serve one of those three entities, God, Satan, Or self. You cannot serve God and Satan at the same time, and you cannot serve God and self at the same time. Golly, gee, Pastor, I remember, gee, Willikers, uh, boy, howdy, I remember when church was all about feeling good and warm and soft and cozy, and we finally get to come back and we're all so happy about it, and you Tell us that. Thank you, Patty. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, If it seems evil to serve the Lord, well, choose for yourselves whom you, for whom you will serve. And he goes on to say, And I parrot his words, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a praise in the house of God. Hallelujah! Because that's what it comes down to. We could argue doctrine about the rapture. We can argue doctrine about how it's going to look. We can ob- argue doctrine about when. We can argue doctrine about the imminency of the coming of the Lord. But we, there's no argument about the fact that we must choose whom we will serve. So... Let me give you an invitation to come to Jesus. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. And I hope some of you will experience that love today. Uh, If I invited you to come to God's love today, would this be the day you'd cross the line? Or would this be the day that you'd say, Well, I'll do it a different day. It might surprise you to know that God has been waiting for you all your life. He's been waiting for you to ask him to love you. He's been waiting for you to ask him to be in relationship with you. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he rose from the grave. His death paid the price for you and me, and, and, and he, he's shown us what love looks like. Now, all we have to do is accept that love, to receive that love, all that He wants is for you to invite Him into your heart to love Him. That's what He wants more than anything else. So I'm going to ask you today right here in this sanctuary and all across wherever you may be today to bow your heads for a moment. And I'm going to say a prayer. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say this prayer in such a way that you can repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, Everybody repeat after me. Lord Jesus, Jesus. I want to experience your love today. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I'm inviting you to be my Savior right now. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. I receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Now, if you prayed that prayer, those that are online, uh, and you raised your hand, excuse me, if you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to ask you to go to our YouTube site there where your, the emojis are, and I want you to hit the little hand emoji that says, I raised my hand saying, I responded to that, 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 that's a moment for me in my life, and I want you to do that, or I want you to call into our prayer chain at 616, uh, six, nine, excuse me, 989-681-5731. 989 Call in and let them know, I raised my hand. I, I, I accepted Christ today. I asked him to love me. And I'll tell you what, if you prayed that prayer today, with intent and belief in your heart, then your entire life has just been changed. It has been changed. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and the Bible says that everything has become new for you. And in fact, the Bible said that the angels are having a party, throwing some celebration right now because you accepted Christ. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am so glad that you were able to join us today in this service And be a part of what's going on with all of the other brothers and sisters that are in the house. Thank you for checking in. Thank you for being a part of this. We call you blessed in the name of Jesus. God bless you.